0: Starting off as an actor in, what was it, 2009 or 2010? Starting off as an actor? Yeah. Um, No, I started in 2008. 2008, okay, so that was around the time of the crash, anyway. Um,
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. So,
0: like, to commit yourself to acting in that stage, it really meant you weren't really in for the money. I mean, what was the main draw for you?
1: Well, um, first of all, I wanted to be a filmmaker when I was around 17, 18, and uh, I was living in Tralee, and they didn't really have the outlet back then and I wasn't really encouraged um, and I wasn't really courageous enough to to go after filmmaking and then when I moved to Cork I met a guy that was a filmmaker and basically he convinced me to be to be an actor in his movie like and um, that's basically what I didn't I wasn't thinking of it as a career mm. or anything like that I mean I, I was never thinking of like acting as a career or filmmaking as a career because what I was doing at the time was it was doing a personal training course and uh, you know that was what I was thinking about but then once I got the acting bug then I kind of didn't look back then like you know Mm.
0: know. is it hard to 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 follow acting when you're from Kerry for example
1: well you see the thing is like I'm actually I would class myself more as a filmmaker now rather than an actor Mm. because I've started making movies in 2012. and but like because I I lived actually in Cork then Dublin then LA Mm. I'm only back in Kerry the last year and a half Um. So like to pursue, I'm not pursuing acting at the moment. I'm only actually trying to make films, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. So, but like say for instance, if you are to, just to say, as, if there's any actors listening, if they want to pursue acting, yeah, don't live in Kerry, <laughs> <laughs> live in Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> or, and I I would say something as well is that don't try to rush after London and LA before, before uh, because a lot of people get into that thing where they need to be in the, these big massive places where all the actors are. I think Dublin's a fantastic city to start off in and to really get good credentials here first. Mm.
0: But eventually you did leave for the sunshine you know, and the bright lights of Belly. What, yep. was, what was the tipping point for you to do that?
1: Well, I won the green card lottery, so that's why I went. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I, and I always wanted to, to live in America. And um, I realised that after a year living in America, that I didn't want to live in America. I didn't want to settle down there. Oh, really? For after much thought and consideration, I decided to give up the green card. And I know people are listening. Thinking <laughs> this, is, this is the most stupidest thing you'd ever do in your whole life. And I would have said that to myself the previous year. But no, I'm completely 100% settled in Ireland and England. I would, I would, I would definitely think of England as a, an option as well mm. at some point. But I think Ireland is a great country to, first of all, to start your career and to get a name for yourself. Mm. And then once you do that, you have the world's kind of your oyster. But like, I kind of realised, and a lot of people warned me before I moved away. Yeah. That don't move away before you've actually done something that's worthwhile you know so that's basically why i came back
0: yeah yeah but um whilst whilst you were over you, you honed your craft in a few prestigious acting schools i mean how valuable do you count that experience even though if, if america wasn't for you how valuable do you count the experience itself
1: the experience was unbelievable i wouldn't change it for the world the year that i had over there was exceptional um just to say that i did attend a couple of schools but there was a couple of schools in particular that i did stick with um the the, the io west um the improv olympic west hollywood um, the um the I, sorry the improv olympic um hollywood theater <coughs> i did um, some improvisation class um, a lot of improvisation classes there and that was the best training i ever got in my whole life mm. first of all as a human being for confidence second of all as an actor and third of all just for like unbelievable fun it was just amazing yeah. i did classes with a guy called Doug Warhit he was top 15 acting coaches in in la and again that was for confidence in front of the camera you know that was amazing it was so it was so much better than the classes here like it's mm. just cuz they're so they're so like more more expensive but yeah the classes were we're so behind here really like you know i mean but it is los angeles after all like you know but but then when I was in L.A., just to say as well, that I realised that my true passion was filmmaking, even though I love acting, and I still act in all my films. Mm. But I kind of realised that filmmaking is my true passion, so that's what I learned as well.
0: Mm. So, you know, when you wrote and produced All the Accents when you were there, yeah. Uh, what did you learn about yourself when you branched out to other disciplines like that?
1: Well, with with All the accent, actually immediately after I finished my improvisation training, we did all the accent. And basically what happened was that the guys I was working with showed me that you can actually write, produce, um, and possibly go on to direct stuff as an actor. You don't have to wait around for auditions and stuff. And during the, the shoot, I don't know if you've seen the film, but if anyone wants to watch it, it's online on YouTube. Um, a lot of this, the middle scenes were improvised, and I felt because of my what I just learned from the improvisation classes I was able to literally translate it into the film because the guys were so great they were just literally that was their natural way of doing things was improvisation so I was able to to go along with it you know so uh, I thought it it was just you know I think training is essential and um, you know you can definitely translate it into anything that you do then
0: you did get more work over here in Ireland in the tg car series Maru. well actually was that i did actually seen that was that an irish
1: well that was actually before i went out there Oh, was it before? Okay. It was before but um i actually did two shows with them but one of them never got aired which was which was um well first of all just to answer your question it's, it's it's irish yeah but what it is is there was a narrator doing irish oh, okay. so it was english speaking act scenes and then there was a narrator speaking irish and then um, mm-hmm. the irish would come up in english subtitles oh, okay. so- but it was very popular. Like a lot of people watched it. Yeah. A lot of people saw it. Like, um, and then I actually did another show with them before I left. But there was a huge problem, a huge fight between one of the actors and the, the main guy and the producers. So they actually called me when I was in LA to come reshoot. But they oh, said you're in LA, so and uh, I couldn't reshoot it. Like, but so I was a bit pissed off. But I still think I got the credit for it though on, on online. So it's still still there. Yeah,
0: I think they have to give it the credit. Yeah, you got a role in Chemical Fifteen. I mean, can you tell? 13. Oh, Thirteen. Jesus. Chemical Thirteen. <laughs> chemical Thirteen. Yeah, sorry.
1: That's okay. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the, the Fifteen isn't yeah. made yet. It's in pre-production. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we actually made Fourteen as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just didn't hear about it because it's, it's not really good.
0: It's like big hero six or. what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. Die hard. Die hard. Six is coming up soon, <laughs> but um. Uh, Chemical 13 in Los Angeles That was my first role Los Angeles mm. did three I did three films out there And um, I actually met all the guys From Audi Accent On that shoot well, Not all of them But some of them And then we did, filmed Another one called Drifter But Chemical 13 Was a horror film Shot in an abandoned hotel In San Bernardino California mm. And it was a big Big enough budget Like you know it was I think it was 10, 20 grand or something It was great You yeah. know Um and um, yeah, it was it was great. I, I'm actually going to be showing Chemical Thirteen in Chile in April or May, along with the premiere of my film Scene Eater, as well. So if anyone's in Tralee... yeah, definitely. Yeah. we'll post it up. It'll on the be online. Page, as it, as it yeah, means. yeah.
0: Tell me about uh, 2013's Jacob Wrestling and the Angel. You know, after after you uh, after you came back, uh, you of course you wrote and directed it. Tell me about the film and tell me about the limelight. You know, it received and
1: yeah, 10. yeah. Well, Jacob Wrestling with the Angel is about um, a tortured artist trying to finish his masterpiece, but he's got a very um, peculiar obsession with this interview and this girl that's giving the interview, and it's it's tormenting him. It's a real, uh, it's a very psychological art house film. Mm. And um, I wrote, produced, direct, and lead uh, was the lead actor, in that, and I realised after <laughs> that that's a lot of work, like yeah. even for you know for a small film, you know it's it's incredibly difficult because you know. Just to say that you know, if if you hear like actors like Mel Gibson and Ben Affleck doing these type of things, you know, when they're writing directing things, Ooh. they have about two or three hundred people behind them as well. I had no one behind me, so yeah. it's a different kettle of fish, you know. And um, but anyway, just to say, Jacob, rest with the angel. Got a got a lot of attention. We had some great actors involved, Amy Hughes and MJ O'Sullivan and um, it was f- it was a labour of love because I I was I was so new like to I was so new to to producing and stuff, so a lot of the work I was doing was kind of wasteful work, mm. you know, because when I, the, the movie I just made now, I, I learned that I didn't need to kill myself over small little things. Yeah. But for Jacob, it was all, like, all the locations were all spread out, and it just was so hard. But anyway, it, it turned out well, yeah. and it got to, it got to three film, film festivals in Ireland, received a nomination in Limerick um, for Best Cinematography, and mm. the cinematographer is Blaine Rennox. You can see he's worked with me all the time. Um, and we we went to Cannes, the short film corner of Cannes, and um, we went to Cannes our, myself and one of the producers went, and unbelievable, mm. you know, an experience of a lifetime. It's almost like I don't want to go back because I don't want to wreck the first experience. Yeah. It's just it was amazing. And um, we're going to be entering Sinita my new film, into Cannes, um, hoping to get officially selected and probably get into the short film corner. Maybe we'll see. Um, it was only seven Irish films in the short film corner last year, mm. um, and there was about 100 UK films oh, in it. Yeah. So I felt very, very honoured. Like good to be among that. It yeah. was good to be among the seven, because they reckon there could be... Someone was saying there could be something like 70 short films that are worth talking about made in Ireland, or 70 or 100 short films made in Ireland every year. And the fact is, I would think nearly all of them would enter Cannes, you know? So mm. maybe a lot of them didn't get in. We did, and I think it was very French our film, Jacob Rest with the Angel. After looking at the ones that were officially selected for Cannes, which is fucking like it's like winning the lottery yeah. if you get officially selected. Yeah. Literally you've met it then like. I would rather be officially selected for Cannes and win an award than win an Oscar. Any really? day. Straight up. Hundred percent that's where I'm at. Like that's that's how I view the industry. I think Cannes is the place to to, to, to succeed. Um and I looked at the, the official selected films for Cannes, and to be honest with you, I think Jacob was very, not not that it was at the same quality, but it was very close <laughs> to the, the style. The
0: aesthetic, yeah.
1: The aste- yeah, the aesthetic, and the kind of, a lot of people could look at Jacob, and it doesn't really make, it's not, not that it doesn't make sense, but everybody gets something different out of it. Mm. So it's an arthouse film, and I felt all the films for, that were selected were, were arthouse, mm. and I was very proud of the fact because there was some people that didn't like Jacob mm. that were over there because right. they're into commercial films like and yeah. stuff. They I don't.
0: Mean, they do. Re- they reject a lot of commercial films out there during the Cannes festival. They do. For example, like for, uh, say Quentin Tarantino, doesn't he?
1: Quentin Tarantino was put on the map because he yeah. won the award for, for Pulp Fiction, like or for Reservoir Dogs, was it? Was yeah. it Reservoir Dogs? Oh. It was Pulp Fiction, mm. I think it was. Anyway, but. He, that's how we met it. Yeah. That's how we met it, like, because he's never going to win Oscars, like, really. Like, I mean, I think he did win something for, for oh. Django Unchained, but um, he's never going to win an Oscar for Pulp Fiction, say. No. You know what I mean? But he won the award for Can, and boom, there he is. Mm. You know what I mean? Because, the Oscars is very political and very commercial and stuff like that, and I'm not really into that, like, mm. to be honest. Like, I mean, I wouldn't turn it down or anything, but. You know
0: I suppose if you wouldn't you wouldn't mind having the, having the statue in the house but no but it's you know, it's it's not yeah, it's, I don't think no, it's, it's very nice, very more a bit more than that like it's it's just you have to believe in what you're making yeah at the same time but uh well, obviously all of the hard work you put into the film paid off I mean do you feel that having that degree of control over the film do you think that's a, a good aspect or or do you think it's too much too much as, work as you said before yeah you said it was too much work but do you think it was worthwhile? Considering you had that, you were able to completely drive the film in mm. the direction you were going to go into.
1: Yeah, well, see, like, 100%, because it gave me the experience to learn that, to say, from City, where I learned that I could con- um, I could contain a lot of the work, like, that I didn't have to fucking go. I'm, sorry, I'm cursing. I said, um. We're on after nine. Yeah, <laughs> is it? Okay. Yeah. But, uh, so I learned the, the experience is essentially, it was just like going to LA, you know. Doing something that when you look back is kind of wasn't the right thing, but in a way it was the right thing because you got the experience. But having a degree control, I think definitely because you hear so much, you know, people getting awards for money and stuff like that from the RT or from from Irish Film Board, and straight away they want to control what you're writing. They want to do this, they want to do that.
0: Mm.
1: Can be good because maybe you've got someone that's actually good at what they do, but they will definitely want to change what you want to. Mm. portray now I'm going to be honest from Jacob Rest with the Angel mm. to Sin Eater what yes. I have done in myself is tried to contain the story somewhat so that it is a little bit more commercial mm. but in a sense still kind of giving um, an impression that people can make up their own minds Yeah, but it is a little bit commercial because Just
0: so much you can it can be accessible like.
1: It can be more accessible and the film festivals in Ireland that are not because a lot of them don't really want art house like that. Mm. I just want to get on the map here a bit more. Because Joe Mullins is involved and just the fact that we can sell the the film from Joe Mullins, he was the lead actor of Pilgrim Hill, Joe Barrett, who is basically a Hollywood director now because he's over in Hollywood, he's gonna be making movies with Charlie Strong. We have um um Joe Mullins who was in that film that made him big, um, in our film Eater. So I suppose at the same time, nobody's telling me how to make cinema either. Like, but in, I'm, in my own mind, I'm, I'm saying to myself, "Look, I have to be a little bit more commercially minded," you know. But you can be. I think Nicholas Winding Ref, Ref, Refn is one of the main guys that kind of makes commercial films, but with art house sensibilities. Mm. You know, he makes things that are just about accessible. Like, mm. you know, maybe not so much with "Only God Forgives," but if you break down "Only God Forgives," you can see that there is a meta to his madness. I'm sorry, I'm probably going way off point no, here. No, if Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's like it's like the the story about Martin Scorsese and the when he was his producers told him to cut cut a scene at the end with the you know, there was too much blood, you know, the massacre scene at the end of Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, he, he threatened he he was threatening all night to go and shoot the shoot the producer, like kill him. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I didn't like, hear that. To slash, his, slash his canvas like and wow, break his masterpiece. Yeah. But eventually, they talked him out of it anyway. And instead, they desaturated the blood at the end so that they could show it. I mean, do you think that all-or-nothing approach? Do you think that's that's a bit too much, or do you? Th- oh, what am I saying? Well, I,
1: I, I no. I think I know what you're saying, and I yeah. think th- if you look at Taxi Driver, like I'm going to be a bit con- controversial, and I. I think the, one, of, one of the weakest parts is the, is the bit at the end and, and are you saying that the producers got involved in that?
0: The producers, the producers tried to get involved in because it wasn't commercially valuable yeah. really to have the blood at the end so saturated they couldn't get the, the rating I think it was
1: Right. Yeah, because you could see like there was something not right about the way they filmed it. Like mm. I think maybe it's because it's seventies as well, so they weren't as advanced. But yeah. it just seemed a little bit like there was something not completely right. You could see maybe there was an element of control from somebody else. Yeah. But you know, just to say on a point, that sometimes you have to go with the flow as well. Say mm. creatively. Um, the, the biggest one for me, I like can that I that in, in, in big films that throughout the years was, um, Francis Ford Coppola with Apocalypse Now. Like he wanted, he wanted Brando to be a big king, you know, up and everybody to be, you know, kind of Mm. bowing down to him. Brando turned up obese, so basically he had to work around that, like, and put him in the shadow. He says, "I want to be in shadows." And look what happened—it created what Apocalypse is now. So sometimes I think that you have to have the 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 unbelievable control over what you're doing, but then you kind of have to let go as well Mm. to
0: to the things that happen. That's all but You know, it goes back to this thing of improvisation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's why, with Jacob, rest with the angel, I didn't even come up with the thing of him being an artist. That was somebody else, Blaine Mm. Renix. He said, what is it, Jacob? I said, I don't even know what Jacob is. And he said, what about if he's an artist? So I'm not going to take all the credit. Like, there's Mm. other people involved Mm. that when they say things, you kind of have to... You see, if somebody's too precious about something, Mm. then... See, I, I like to have control, but at the same time, I know I'm not... The master of this you have to be able to listen to people take what's good leave the rest yeah. and then you have to be able to um, understand that there's other people that actually have huge creative input into what you're doing and I totally 100% believe in that and I think what makes a good director is a person that can trust the people around them to know that th- that that they they can do their fucking job like, mm. you know, and you can get, you can be sure that Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and all these people that we love, Wind and Refn, they trust the team around them, and that's what that's who I have around me, mm. people I trust, you know, and that's that's what it's all about like, mm. you know, so I am a bit of a control freak, but <laughs> not that much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: say Jacob Wrestling with Angel has got a lot of dark a lot of dark themes in it. Yeah. It's much like uh, Chemical thirteen. Um, do you feel a filmmaker or screenwriter or artist of any sort needs to access these, you know, alcoves of your mind like
1: Well that's what Jacob wrestling with the Angel is all about. It's about mm. the alcoves of the mind and it's about going into the right into the subconscious and I suppose it was very inspired by a big commercial film, Inception, you know. Mm. But at the same time again, Christopher Nolan is one of those directors that makes things that really, you know, the art host sensibilities, you know, like he kind of challenges film goers, even people that go, the pom- the popcorn munchers, like, that yeah, go yeah, to the yeah. But I was inspired by Inception about the whole dream state and s- subconscious and, and I think as an actor or as a filmmaker especially or as a writer um, um, God, you, you really have to go in there, like, you know, it's very tough. It's very yeah. tough to be a writer, like, you know, it's very tough to, I'm writing something at the moment, DT's, and that's my, my, my first feature film. And you know, it's, 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 in, it's in progress, like in, and people ask you, how, how is it going, what's it about? And I'm actually, I know what it's about, but I can't verbalize it too well. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, that it's, sometimes you have to suffer for your art, like. Yeah. You really do, because if you're not, you're not an artist, you know, you're not, you're not really doing what you're meant to be doing. You know, you really need to suffer for it. Like it might sound a bit ridiculous to some people, but it's very true. Um, you need to be on your own, you need to be doing things, you need to be researching, you need to be talking to interesting people. You know, superficiality is just not the the way, like, it is for some people, that's what they want, they want the money, the fame and the glory, and it's nice to have all those things, but mm. no, you need to get into the fucking, the psyche, like,
0: yeah,
1: I do a lot of work as well, personal, personal development work, you know, I do a lot of stuff, spirituality, and I have counselling, and I do all these things because... You know, I'm a flawed human being at the end of the day. And I think all these these things they really, 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 really help art like.